0: I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This episode has been sponsored by Bookhampton. As the premier independent bookstore in the Hamptons, Bookhampton has a highly curated selection of books for readers of all ages, unique one-of-a-kind gifts, and exciting author events. Browse their fabulous staff suggestions online at bookhampton.com. I'm really excited to be here today with Rebecca Soffer, who is the co-author of Modern Loss, A Candid Conversation About Grief, Beginner's Welcome. A graduate of the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. Rebecca is the founder of the online community and website modernloss.com. She is a nationally recognized speaker about loss and resilience and has contributed to Marie Claire, Refinery29, El Decor, and others. Rebecca was formerly a producer for The Colbert Report. She lives in Manhattan with her husband and two young sons. So welcome, Rebecca Sofer.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am never leaving this room. Sorry. Sorry, you think I'm
0: joking. I'm not joking. joking. You can just come hang out. We can just hang out together. (laughs) So, Rebecca, your website, Modern Loss, is amazing. For those who don't know, it has fantastic, relevant articles about loss, which are so readily accessible. You can even sort them by type of loss, spouse, mother, miscarriage, pet. You can also sort by topics related to death, like funerals, wills, suicide, and parents. Parenting. There's an Ask Modern Loss column, a section called Morning, Noon, and Night. Morning, M O U R N. ha How to section essays like, Dude, where's my grief? It's like the Huff Post for death. I called it like Huff <laughs> Postmortem, even that, though that, that doesn't doesn't really make sense. But anyway, so. Tell me how you started this website, and I want to hear about basically the whole business of the website as well. Sure. So,
1: I think it's safe to say that this is not something that I kind of like grew up thinking that I wanted to do in my life. In fact, I probably would have actively not wanted to do something like this. But as we both know from personal experience, life happens and it happens very suddenly without warning, and you just have to roll with it. It just is what it is. So I went to journalism school for my master's, and then I was working in political satire and daily TV for the Colbert Report. And that was the track that I was on. I wanted to produce satire that was really smart and eventually get sent all over the country, eating the best apple pie and reporting on that. But instead, when I was 30, I came home from a family vacation when the show was on hiatus, and my parents dropped me off at my apartment very late at night. And And kept driving to Philadelphia. I lived in New York City. They still live in Philadelphia where I was raised. And they had a terrible car accident just shortly after they dropped me off. And my mother was thrown out of the car and she did not survive. And it was still like even like I, in fact, just as an aside, I had to drive by that spot yesterday. I was in Pennsylvania all day for a project. And I had to drive by that exit 8A. And I, every time I drive by there, I know exactly what happened there. And I have to listen to, you know, <laughs> Katrina and the waves or something to get my mind off of it. So I lost my mother very suddenly. I was 30. I just turned 30. I was living in New York. I was building up my life as much as I could. And I was surrounded by other people who were doing the same. And it was really hard isolating experience to suddenly be trying to build everything and also be losing so much of what made up my foundation and who was truly my best friend. My mom was like my best friend on the entire planet. I had to keep going to work. I had to keep earning to pay my rent. I had to keep dating because I, you know, I was single. I was living in a one bedroom rental. I didn't have a dog yet. I didn't have like all the things that I still kind of wanted to, all those things I went to unlock in life. But I didn't know how I was going to go about doing that in a way that was really fulfilling because I really felt like everything was over in that moment, as dramatic as it sounds. And I think, you know, when you go through through sudden traumatic loss, you really can feel like you can't see the light through the tunnel. Like it really does feel dark sometimes. For a very long time. And that's how it felt with me. I had to put up a big facade, pretend everything was okay, because everyone wanted to feel comfortable, they wanted to feel comfortable around me. And in order for them to feel comfortable, that meant me putting up a facade and pretending like I was cool. So I did a really good job of convincing people that I was totally fine. And it took a lot of effort. And three and a half years after that, I had just gotten married and I was at home one morning on a day off from work and my brand new husband came home and he told me that he had just gotten a call that my dad had a heart attack the night beforehand and he hadn't survived. And I had kind of been waiting for that to happen since the moment my mom died, because that's kind of what you do as a human being. You wait for the other shoe to drop. And so within the span of four years, I lost both my parents. I was their only child between them. I'm, you know, I'm an only child. It was so isolating. And, you know, not not only did I not know that many people who had lost one parent at age 30, which is not like super, super young, but it's really not that old. Like it's it's young enough that the majority of people around you, your peers, can't truly relate to you. But to try and find someone who had lost both parents by age 34,
0: oh, Becca, that, so it was sorry. hard. I'm it was, like, so actually sorry.
1: hard. You know what? I'll use the word impossible. I didn't meet anybody. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, it was, like, really, I don't know, like, how much potty language we can use on this. Go, whatever like, you want. It was, like, fucking terrible. It was, it was really bad. It was really bad. I really didn't know how I was going to move through it. And I consider myself someone who has amazing friends, who loves being happy, loves laughing. I worked in comedy for God's sakes, but it was very challenging because I could not find the right team very easily. I couldn't find the right grief counselor very easily. I couldn't find the right community, like the right tribe. I would try and go to support groups that were for people who had lost one parent or both parents. And the first one I went to, I was by far the youngest one. I'm, I'm saying like by decades, I was the youngest one. And everyone was great, everyone was super nice, but like I really needed to be with other people who could show me, not just through commiseration that I wasn't the only one, but could also show me through example that I had a lot of resilience in me and that I, I could realize that not not by someone putting their hand on my shoulder and saying, it's going to be okay, but rather by showing me through their examples of how they were moving through loss and showing me that, yeah, it's still messy. Like, it's always a mess. It's a mess 10 years down the line for me, but there's a lot of light. And I needed to hold on to the hope that there was a lot of light And that I had a lot of life left and that I could live it well, because I think my mother would have really been incredibly pissed off at me had I not tried to live a good life. That's not what she raised me to do. And at age 30, she wouldn't have wanted me to throw in the towel. So modern loss, in some ways, came out of this experience that I had of such abject isolation, such Like, I would say hopelessness for a long time. So much struggle stemming from the insults to injury that come along with traumatic loss, which can be post-traumatic stress, which I very much had and did not know I had until I was diagnosed with it. And in that moment, it all of a sudden made so much sense. You know, my mom died in a car accident suddenly. You know, just really trying to find the right team of professionals to help, but also the right human beings in the world, be they good friends who really were super empathic and really loved me and really just wanted to make an effort to be there and make it clear that they could sit with me in this discomfort, but also people who really came out of the woodwork to show me that, you know, they had gone through something, but they were managing it. Like they were managing this dark and light together. So modern loss in in, in many, you know, for me, my personal story, that's why I'm involved in this modern loss experience.
0: I'm so sorry for your story. I mean, you wrote it so beautifully in the book, so I knew, but just hearing it from you is like, it's so heartbreaking and I'm just so sorry. Thank
1: you. I mean, look, I feel like people's, visceral reaction when someone says that is like, oh, it's okay. And like, you know, it's it's like not not okay, okay, you know, but it is what it is. Like we all have our things. We all have the hand that we're dealt. And I am living an amazing, rich life right now. And I swear to you, I wouldn't have believed you Mm -hmm. if you had told me when I was 30, the day, the month, the year, maybe Mm. the two years after I had been going through this, that someday I was going to be like totally neurotic again about the little things about like, oh, am I going to be five minutes late to pick up my toddler? Or like, oh my gosh, like, can I lose this pound? You know, like, I really thought I was only going to be consumed by big honking questions such as, am I going to survive in this life without going insane? And so, you know, it's not okay, but it is what it is. And that is something that I have learned to kind of live by and embrace and realize that you know the more that people can talk about what they've been through, talk about how they've been through a mess and are going through the mess, the more favors they're doing to themselves, the more favors they're doing to other people mm-hmm. by not making other people feel like maybe they're the only ones going through something yeah. and the more favors they're doing to society at large because we are not good about talking about this stuff. We're we're not good at doing this. And so The more we can do it, the more we can do it in a let it all hang out kind of way with humor, because Mm -hmm. that's really important. The more we're going to like really change a cultural conversation about what it is like to live with loss and not like death, end of life. That of course is the root of this, (laughs) but loss, like what's it like for the person above ground? It doesn't always have to be okay, but it doesn't always have to be awful Mm -hmm. and you don't have to feel guilty because of it.
0: Wow. So then how did you take that and make it into a website?
1: Yes, the very good question because it was this was these were like very big questions that I was kind of grappling with. So I met my friend Gabby Berkner. I would say, I'm trying to think it was several months after my mom died. I was still like, In shock. I would say I was in shock for a a good calendar year, and she and I met at kind of this ad hoc potluck dinner that someone put together, and we just clicked very quickly over the fact that we were both living with really crazy, insane loss. She had lost her dad and her stepmother in a break-in. They were they were murdered, and she was in her twenties when this happened, and I had lost my mom in a car accident, and so we were like checking off all these boxes of like, oh, you had a different type of loss. You know, I had this. So we're all dealing with different triggers. But it was very interesting how quickly she and I clicked. Not just because we were like two Jews in media (laughs) living on the (laughs) Upper West side. So like, obviously, we're going to click. It was kind of a miracle we hadn't met each other yet by that point. (laughs) Of course, we clicked personality-wise. But we really clicked very quickly on a more fundamental level, which was, ah, you get this. Like, you get my neuroses. You get you know, my like monkey mind. You get where I'm coming from. You get why I'm so upset because a date ended so uncomfortably when I mentioned the phrase dead mom. You get it because you live this every day too, don't you? And so that became this very fast and furious friendship. And so a few years later, after my dad died, I just kept realizing that I was not really relating to a lot of the content out there on loss. A lot of it was really clinical. Like I really was like the poster child for getting sucked into the dsm four and now five and self-diagnosing. And I always incorrect Self diagnosed. I had nothing. I had PTSD, but I didn't have like, I was like, I'm a megalomaniac because all I can think of is my own loss. No, I was just really grieving. I was grieving and I wasn't, you know, I was still moving through the worst of it. And then I found a lot of sites that were very religious. And, you know, I'm a proud Jew. My kids go to synagogue preschool. I'm very involved in the community, but I don't always turn toward the Talmud or turn toward, you know, something stemming from Jewish you know, religion to deal with my loss as a guideline. Um, In fact, I'm kind of an omnivore. If I read a Buddhist quote that resonates with me, amazing. If it's something that is completely non-religious, just as good. I'm a big Brene Brown, you know, (laughs) follower. So I I just, I didn't want, you know, I just, I couldn't just go to religion. I couldn't just go to, to the psychologist, you know, and psychiatrist definitions of things that had to do with loss. And then, you know, you go online and to this day, you'll find a lot of, really wonderfully, beautifully done websites that might strike you as just not right for you because they're really, frankly, super cheesy. They are all italicized. They have a lot of platitudes. They talk about people being in a better place or assuring you that it takes a year and then you wonder what's wrong with you. They have a lot of, you know, just like inspirational quotes, which I'm all for a good inspirational quote. But what I really need to see is someone admitting how messed up they really feel sometimes and how loss can spill into every single aspect of your life. What I really needed was personal storytelling Mm -hmm. because I'm a storyteller because I'm a writer and I'm a journalist and I'm a producer. I just needed a good story. And that for me, was what I was missing. And I realized I would read the back of the New York Times magazine mm-hmm. and I'd read a personal yep. essay or like, you know, like Modern Love and an essay that, you know, someone would write. I think it came out after Modern Loss Launch, but for example, Nina Riggs, who wrote mm-hmm. The Bright Hour, Couch is Just a Couch, about how she was dying of cancer and she couldn't decide on the couch purchase because it had so much meaning because yep. it was going to be around after she was gone. Now, I wasn't dying, but I was like, this is so meaningful. It's about loss. It's a personal story. I was so moved and I also, also felt seen. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanted to do was storytelling. And so I approached Gabby and said, listen, we're years out from our loss at this point. This is not going to be the Rebecca and Gabby project. This isn't our personal blog. This is a publication that is very niche that is going to allow people to share their personal essays, but also provide a backbone of practical resources like the ones you mentioned, an advice column, you know, different therapeutic pieces, different financial pieces, legal pieces that can help people through the way and just kind of be their friend that hangs out online that you can access at 2.30 a.m. when you feel super lonely or you can go to, you know, from anywhere in the world when you might not ordinarily have a circle of people that you can see in real life. That's what we want to be. And so we launched it in November. We're almost five years old in a couple of weeks. Happy birthday. Thank you. Twenty thirteen. We pressed play on this website. We launched it with a couple dozen really beautifully written personal essays. And when I say beautiful, a lot of them were like really funny and really raunchy because what we're trying to show is that loss is not just about that first year. Mm-hmm. It's not just about the funeral. It's not just about the Shiva period. It's not just about like the after the 90 days. And it's not even about the first day after the first year. It's about 27 years later. It's about when you become a parent two decades after going through a loss or, you know, you have a child and you've lost a sibling or you're going through something and you've lost a friend and something takes you by surprise. Mm -hmm. It's about that. And so in the end, it's just a really good, amazing storytelling platform that our goal is that it will do some good in the world.
0: Yeah. I personally feel such gratitude that you started it, that it's now a resource from now, sort of going forward or for the last five years. I think I mentioned to you earlier, I had this period of, not that it's in any way comparable, but I just happen to have a period of, loss where within a year I lost my best friend and college roommate on 9-11 and then one of my really close friends from high school committed suicide and both my grandfathers and my stepbrother unexpectedly everybody it was like a year from that's pretty comparable it was really I mean, bad it's, it was just like terrible. and I was a mess I was a total mess and I like couldn't I knew like I had to get with it and I just couldn't pick myself up. And it yeah. got to the point where, you know, my family even was like, okay, you've, that's enough now. Like even Goggy, my grandmother, just mentioning this turning 95, was like, okay, that's enough Right. You know, like, <laughs> and you're like, but is it? And I'm like, I know it should be, but I, and like what you were saying, I looked for all the resources. I bought all these books online. I bought all these books and nothing like spoke to me because yeah. I was 25 at the time. Like nothing was speaking to me. Right. Like everything was just so anyway. I feel so grateful that you, not only the website, but also the book, which is a compilation of essays, not just from you um, and Gabby, but from other people as well. And it's just such an amazing resource. And I I also told you already, but um, you know, since I got your book, I've had four friends lose someone very close to them. And each time I've given them this book because Uh I'm like, this is what you you need. And every time they were like, oh my gosh, this is so perfect. Thank Thank you. you. Or this came at just the right day. You know, because you can't, I didn't want to give it like the day up, right? It's like after the funeral is over, and, and everybody goes about when their the business. When the casseroles are all eaten. Right. And then and right. it's like, then why? Uh-huh.
1: Anyway, yeah. so your
0: that's bug that's has been helping so many people. Thank you. Um, that
1: means a lot. So and listen, I also want to say, you said it's not comparable. You went through a huge number of losses. And we always say that, you know, comparing law, lo- it's like a losing battle. Because right. it's everyone's personal experience is their own. Ever- I always say like, oh, but I'm not a Syrian refugee whose child was washed up on the beach. Thank God. But- I also, lo- all I know is that I lost my two best friends and that's that was my life. That was my reality. And so we always want people to realize that, you know, loss is loss is loss. Mm-hmm. And if it's a meaningful loss to you, then that is the worst thing ever. You know, it's like kind of comparing apples to oranges. There's right. no, no comparison true. here. And I'm so sorry that you went through that because it just sounds like a really, really crappy string of experiences that I'm sure colored the way that you
0: live. Oh, it's changed everything about my life. I don't know about you. I mean totally. I'm sure, but like, you know, at least for me, I turned a lot to writing. It sounds mm-hmm. like you did as well in, in different ways. Like I started writing about it for my business school newspaper, which <laughs> I think was shocking to the community because most people were not as open and sharing about emotions. And I, right. I was with a lot of consultants and business people and I was just like blah 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 like <laughs> I just like pour out my feelings and you know, I tried dealing with it, you know, as best I could. But then when I tried to go back to work, to normal work, I was in advertising and I was sitting at my desk and trying to, you know, work on the Pepperidge Farm account for this ad agency. And I was like, I can't do this. Right. This is, I have to do so. It's anyway. hard. It's hard to, it's so hard anyway. to like
1: look around. It's hard to be like, why should I care about the Pepperidge <laughs> like who right. cares? Not that I don't love it. Of course, but, but it's like, do they not know someone died? Like, right. do they it's not it, know it death is imminent? Right. That our time is limited. I mean, it's it's so challenging. And that's one of the reasons I really believe in what Gabby and I are doing here is because I think the modern loss, look, the word modern, you could say that it's for a younger demographic. And it's true. Like, look, Gabby was in her 20s. I was in my I was 30 and then in my early 30s when I went through like the deepest losses that we had. So we were just very familiar with what it felt like. To be people who are still building their lives. We were both single when this happened. I mean, we felt like kids still. And in New York, when you're 30, you're a child. You know, you're renting, you're like you're living hand to mouth. Like I really counted on my parents being around for a very long time. And then suddenly they weren't. And not only were they not going to be, they weren't. Both of them died very suddenly. I didn't even get to say goodbye to either one of them. It was like the, the worst, you know? And so we are very familiar with what it feels like to be in a stage of life where you're really building up your life where you have to go you right. have no choice but to focus on Pepperidge Farm right. because guess what you have to pay your rent and you don't get bereavement leave mm-hmm. and maybe your boss was nice and gave you a couple days but hey that account is still sitting around and someone has to deal with it so this country does not do a good job of supporting a lot of types of people let me just say but it really doesn't do a good job of supporting people when they are going through some of their most vulnerable periods in life and going through deep Loss is one of them. And so the modern, yes, it definitely is kind of like, it suggests a younger demographic that we're trying to reach where you're not like, you know, 12, and you maybe have a guidance counselor in school who's actively looking out for you every day, parents who are maybe worried about you checking in on you, and you're not 90, you're not your your grandmother's age in Palm Beach, who, you know, has a community of retired people, and they're all going through loss repeatedly, because that's the way that life goes. But you're 30, and you're like, what the hell? Like, how can I be worried about this filing this report at work when, like, all I can picture is my mom's funeral? Like, that's what we want to support. So the modern kind of alludes to that but what we have realized over the last five years is that it actually really alludes to the way in which we approach the conversation Mm. because we have readers of every single age. We have tons of readers in their fifties, sixties, seventies, and it's because it's how we approach it.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, it doesn't feel like it skews that young to me when I was reading the essays. Like it can be for anybody. It's for anyone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's I mean, like, I think like, you know, you create this thing and you have an idea of what you, think it's going to be. And then you put it out into the world and the world does with it what it's going to do with it. And what it did with it was it proved to us that, hey, the joke's on us. It's actually for everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, it's really about our tone. It's that's what it is. Like, do you want to deal with it through platitudes? Do you want to be sanctimonious about it? Are you going to be insulted that we, you know, pepper some of our pieces with obscenities? Okay, then like, don't read us. That's okay. As I just stated, there are plenty of amazing places where you can move through loss and read about loss and this isn't for you. But I would say a lot of people, this is for them.
0: Yeah. It's for anybody. I mean, I think that's what's so nice about it. And everybody experiences loss at one point or another. I mean it's something you just can't avoid, whether it's if you you care about something that's living,
1: you're gonna have loss. Yeah. It's
0: it's inevitable. I'm just so grateful that, that you wrote it. Do you have any advice to people who want to support other people who have lost someone?
1: Yeah, I do. So we have these like tenets on the site, which are like, here's what you will get and here's what you won't get. And so we're, of course, we're an online publication and we publish several times a week. And now we have this beautiful book, but we also run an amazing, all of our pieces are on Facebook. We run this amazing closed Facebook group that anyone listening can join. It's incredible. It's off the record. And it really has moved Gabby and me so deeply to see how total strangers really can support each other. We haven't had to moderate, step in on one interaction in a year and a half. We haven't had to shut down any thread. Everyone is so respectful. Everyone is so supportive. And you know why? Because so many people join because they're looking for their tribe. Mm -hmm. Because some of their tribe members aren't even the people who are directly closest to them in their day-to-day lives. And so they're not getting in some ways the support that they wish they were getting from their closest friends and they come into this group to vent, to ask, to offer advice, to support others, because it also feels good to do so. So what I have learned, not as a therapist, like I'm definitely just like a person who's been put through the ringer and has now learned through my own years-long experience of trial and error, um, but also after publishing many, many pieces over the last five years, I'm pretty sure the most important thing that you can do to support a friend who is going through loss is make it clear to them that you are willing to sit in this uncomfortable, excruciating space with them. And you will not make them feel marginalized Mm -hmm. or like something is wrong with them or tell them that's enough now Mm -hmm. or try and edit their grief. My personal take, my personal non-therapeutic take is as long as you're not hurting yourself or somebody else, you wave your flag. Everyone grieves differently. Everyone has a different timeline. I know that because my timeline is all over the place. I don't have a timeline. You know, like I was trucking along in life finally. And then I had my first child and like what a can of worms that opened up to have a kid and not have my mom and dad around and then realize they'd never meet them. So for me, I think like the biggest thing you can do for somebody is make it very clear. Even if you don't know what to say to them, you admit I literally don't know the perfect thing to say to you, but I'm here. I love you or I care about you. If it's a coworker, you know, I'm like, you know, (laughs) know. even like, even like a bot, you know, just say like, I'm so sorry. And I'm here if you ever want to talk and you keep reaching out, you know, like, I don't know what the right thing to say is, but I really care about you and I'm here. And I think that if you continue to make that clear to someone, even if they say, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Maybe on the 10th time, they'll say, hey, like, can you grab a beer? Mm -hmm. And I really think that that's, you know, I think the worst thing you can do to someone is make them feel like something is wrong with them for how they're grieving. I mean, people who are grieving already feel messed up enough to have to deal with society's discomfort with the topic on top of all of that. I also think just in a practical way that if you're trying to support someone, I think that little things are really easy. I think that, you know, we live in this technological age where people are posting, you know, it's like, oh, it's mom. I miss you. Like it's her birthday. She died or mother's day. You have a dead mom and you say, I miss you mom. And then someone's right heart or like the prayer hands. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, that's nice. Like these people care about me, but okay. Don't just leave a heart or prayer hands on a Facebook comment thread. Why don't you call the person? Why don't you at least text them? Why don't you make a little note in your Google calendar and remember, hey, when did her mom die? Okay, let's have a recurring reminder in my calendar. Hey, when was her mom's birthday? Or when is my friend's birthday? Check in. I mean, these are very, very simple things. I think people get overwhelmed by not knowing how to be the perfect source of support for someone And the dirty little secret is it's actually really not that hard. Mm -hmm. In many ways, it just comes down to being an active listener and doing little things that make it clear that you're thinking of them. And sometimes, by the way, it's like sending alcohol, you know? And like you say, like sending books, which is thank you so much for giving out our book. We think that our book is much better than an edible arrangement after losing somebody. So, you know, I, I just think that I think in human beings... Even in this day and age, I think we are inherently empathic. I think we inherently just really want to be loved and we want closeness and we want to be seen and we want our pain to be acknowledged. I really believe in the best of people still. And I think, you know, sometimes we just need some handholding.
0: Well, thank you so much. I could sit here and talk to you literally all day long. I feel like we're like just getting started, but in the interest of time, I should stop it. But thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you for all that you do to help just so, so, so many people and for taking what was so painful for you and helping other people get through it and just know that there's someone else out there listening in whatever way. So, well, thank thanks. You. Thank you. This episode has been sponsored by Bookhampton, bookhampton bookhampton.com. Thanks to Ryan and Steve at Texture Sound for the audio editing and mixing. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Mm -hmm.